0: Other side at midnight. Local Spotlight. everybody this is the other side of midnight on 77 WABC. i'm frank morano well it is official new jersey is last dead last absolutely last last in what well oregon has officially made it legal to pump your own gas until last week there were only two states, Oregon and New Jersey, that did not allow you to pump your own gas. Now, Oregon drivers are allowed to pump their own fuel after the state lifted a ban dating back to 1951. The new law signed by the governor on Friday went into effect immediately, leaving New Jersey as the only state in the U.S. where service station customers can't pump their own fuel. I empathize with the people whose jobs are affected by this, but there's no reason consumers shouldn't have the option of self-service gasoline the way they do in New York and 48 other states. If you don't want to pump your own gas, just go to a full-service gas station. A lot of the gas stations that I go to offer both options. They have some self-service and some full service. If it saves motorists even a couple of bucks, isn't that a good thing? And look, if you're talking about truck drivers that are transporting goods and services all over the state of New Jersey, those prices of increased fuel costs are passed on to the consumers. So by having this inflationary act of mandating full-service gasoline only, it is leading to an uptick in prices all over the state of New Jersey. Now, maybe it's slight, maybe it's not. Give motorists the choice. I don't think it makes any sense for New Jersey to continue to maintain their full-service-only gasoline policy. New Jersey, get with the rest of the country on this one. Let people pump their own gas. Beam me up! To be continued. Tomorrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. I'll tell you, so far, what I'm hearing from the new police commissioner, Edward Caban, I like a lot. He strikes me as a very serious guy, a very smart guy, and a guy that is very dedicated to the city and to policing in general, and I have high hopes for him. And the newly installed police commissioner has touted his lifelong connection to the NYPD. His father, Juan, was a transit officer, and during his swearing-in ceremony, Edward recalled the moment his father encouraged him to sign up. He said, Fortunately for me, I had a mentor who pushed me, a first-grade detective with tremendous experience. And here's a little bit more of what he said about his dad. He could spot a pickpocket from across the train platform. (laughs) But he was also an advocate for those facing barriers in their careers. Many called him Detective Caban, But I was blessed to call him dad. However, one of the issues that I brought up, which you're yet to hear really anywhere else in the media, is about another Caban family member whose service in the NYPD went totally unmentioned so far by the police commissioner. Edward's twin brother... James. He joined the NYPD in 1989, and during the 1990s, he racked up a number of complaints, including inappropriate use of force and abuse of authority. He rose to the rank of sergeant before being kicked out of the NYPD in 2001 for wrongfully detaining and threatening a cab driver, whom he suspected of stealing money from his wife's purse. James Caban later purchased an apartment building in the Bronx, and after failing to make hundreds of necessary repairs He was named to the public advocates list of the city's worst landlords in August of 2013. In October of 2013, a Bronx housing court judge sentenced James to 30 days in jail for not making required repairs to the building. Now, obviously, Edward can't be held accountable for anything that his brother did, either as a slumlord or as a police officer. But I do think it's worth asking the question the next time Edward Caban appears on radio TV, what is his relationship with his brother like these days? Is there any danger of appearance of impropriety? Do they talk about police work? Do they talk about any issues that uh, James may be having to the legal system now? I do think it's worth asking the question to the commissioner, though, how extensively does he deal with his brother on issues that may come up before the legal system? Beam me up! To be continued. Vivino, better known to generations of people in our area as Uncle Floyd is a national treasure. He is a friend of mine, a regular guest on this program, and just came on a month or so ago, in which we talked about how the nature of comedy changed over the years. Here's a bit of our conversation. And I wonder, what do you think changed? Did all of a sudden people lose their collective sense of humor, or did... I, I? I think people think they're important now, whereas years ago, they didn't think of themselves is so self-centered and important that they have to make a comment. I got booed for saying, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm old school. I've been doing this professionally uh, over half a century. And I got booed. Eight women stood up. And why must you differentiate? Why must you differentiate? So I said, you know, they're right. I'm old. I still say, ladies and gentlemen, let me start all over. So I turned around and came back to the mic and I said, good evening, things. I mean, <laughs> is that better? Does that make you happy? You'd be called a thing. Instead of a lady or a gentleman, I don't care at this point what they say, but it's got to be that every single thing is offensive. I told you recently how Uncle Floyd had suffered a stroke. Well, I am in touch with Floyd's ex-wife, who is still very friendly with Floyd, and she has an update for us. Floyd has left the hospital and is now in rehabilitation at Kessler Rehabilitation Center in West Orange. They're going to be working him very hard there, and apparently it's the best place for him to be, and which I didn't remember, but it's also where Christopher Reeve went after his spinal accident. So if anyone would like to write to Floyd, they can write to him at Floyd Vivino, care of Lisa Vivino, V-I-V-I-N-O, 242 Bay Stream Drive, that's 242 B-A-Y Stream Drive, Toms River, New Jersey, 08753. That's 08753. I am certain that uh, any positive notes or cards from you would lift his spirits and help him to have a speedy recovery. I'm certainly going to be sending him one. Beam me up! To be continued. The other side of midnight. 77 WX. Local Spotlight. Well, on this one, I think the socialists have it right. I'll explain. You see, New York's Socialists in Office held a meeting at the end of July with other local Democrat Socialists of America members to discuss their successes and failures in the past legislative session. With eight members now between the State Senate and the Assembly, the informal caucus of elected socialists represents a small but increasingly influential block Votes among the Democratic Supermajorities in both houses of the Legislature. According to meeting notes Shared with several DSA Members in New York, lawmakers Touted a number of victories They also celebrated defeating the Nomination of Justice Hector LaSalle I think that's absolutely shameful I think he would have been a great pick to lead The Court of Appeals. Looking at where members Felt they could improve, meeting Attendees discussed the need To refine legislative Priorities and strategies to To maximize clear and unifying messaging among the socialists in office. Where do they have it right? What are you talking about, Frank? When looking at what's next on the socialist agenda, State Assembly Member Zoran Mamdani specifically mentioned getting air conditioners into classrooms as a way of making quality of life issues explicitly socialist priorities this is not the type of thing typically associated with the socialist movement this is where i think they have it right the socialists they could talk all they want about income inequality and banning gas or whatever it is they want to do but quality of life issues is something that can unite everybody. And not only should socialists be doing this, so should conservatives. This is something that socialists, libertarians, conservatives, independents, whomever, any organized political group should be making quality of life issues their top priority. Because if the quality of life degrades, people aren't going to care what political ideology is in control of their government. Every political movement should be making quality of life issues, like the very simple air conditioning in classrooms, a priority. So I think this is one instance where the right-wingers might be able to learn something from the elected socialists. Beam me up! To be continued.